Hi there, folks, and welcome to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zevna Kojima, again. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you're having a fantastic day or evening, week, or weekend, as the case may be. Hot and muggy here in Japan, as uh, one would expect in mid-August, so I hope it's a bit more comfortable wherever you happen to be in the world. Okay, so for today's episode, as mentioned last week, we're going to go over a new legislation that's coming up in a couple of years' time. And the reason we're going to be reviewing it now is because it's most likely to have quite an effect on some of your properties here in Japan, if you already have any, or if you're planning to purchase some in the near future. Now, this legislation specifically refers to apartment complexes, or mansions, as they're called here, and even more specifically to complexes that are 40 years old and beyond. Now, if you're a regular listener or you're otherwise familiar with Japan's property market, you probably know that these older concrete buildings are the most popular asset class, in particular the residential reinforced concrete blocks, which is where the vast majority of Japanese tend to live. And they're also the highest yielding cash cows generally, since their prices tend to decline rapidly with age and far more rapidly than the rent amount does which makes for a gap that tends to yield great returns for landlords. So to illustrate again why this is the case, imagine two identical units, uh, one that's 10 years old, another that's 30 or 35 years old. If the two are comparable in size, layout, location, the newer unit might command, say, up to double the rent of the older one. Uh, The purchase price of the older unit, however, will most likely be just a fraction of the newer property. So if we're talking about a one-bedroom unit, for instance, one that's renting out for 60 or 70,000 Japanese yen per month, so six or $700 in case of a 35-year-old building, it might rent out for 110 or 120,000 Japanese yen or 11 to $1,200 if it's in a 10-year-old building or younger that's right next door. So even if they're both on the same floor and feature a similar layout and size. Now, the purchase price of the newer unit, though, might be something like 20 million yen, so about $200,000, whereas the price of the 35-year-old unit could very well be 6 or 7 or 8 million yen. So again, rent might be double, but the purchase price could be three or even four times higher. And for that reason, rental yields are normally far higher for those older units. And the difference could be as high as four or five percentage points. So the younger building might generate something like four or five percent net pre-tax, while the older one could be as high as seven, eight, or even nine percent net pre-tax in some locations. And that's why, again, these older ones are considered cash cows. And they're the preferred investment choice for a lot of property investors who are active here in Japan. However, again, all of that might be changing with the new planned legislation. And the main reason for that is that while many of these older complexes are well-maintained and they are renovated on a regular basis, there are also many, many which are not. And these latter ones can sometimes be mismanaged and badly maintained to the point where they're not only an eyesore, but are also a real danger to occupants. So in a bid to prevent this from happening, the national government has been trying for a while to encourage owner co-ops, owner unions of these older buildings Um, which consists of about 10% of the country's total. And they've been trying to coax them with various incentives, but they've not been very successful at that. And that's mainly due to the fact that owners are finding it difficult to agree on what exactly should be done. Uh, Some of them have passed away, moved out, and there's not really any clear management in place. 
They can't really decide how much should be invested in these renovation projects. And in some cases, it's because landlords and owners, occupiers have really different interests and really different willingness to spend. And also because some of these owners are simply broke. They just can't invest the funds. They're already uh, delinquent on their building fees. And also just because it's quite difficult to get a large group of people to agree on anything, really. And the larger the group, the harder it is uh, can be to reach these agreements. So what the government is going to do is to allow local municipalities to more strongly encourage proper management, renovation, and maintenance by reconstructing these owner unions in mismanaged buildings, appointing new directors, uh, if any, any are available between the owners, or hiring certified consultants and building management companies in cases where there are not any active directors or potential for active directors in these unions, and just to generally support the management of these aged buildings to a deeper extent. Now, these new unions and directors are then expected to conduct various checks to ascertain whether regular union meetings are being held, uh, if proper renovation plans are being uh, drafted and executed regularly and so forth. And perhaps most importantly, at least for our discussion here, the government also plans to introduce a compliance system. So they're going to be recognizing and certifying well-managed buildings and the hope behind this is that if these management certificates help to maintain the prices of these properties, it would then encourage owners to put the necessary effort into those buildings in order to better maintain their value in the longer term. So these improvements can include many things. Yeah? So up-to-date earthquake-proof reinforcements, better energy management, inclusive designs, and other upgrades. In some cases, of course, once the building is properly examined and renovation estimates are issued, it may be the case that these expenses wouldn't be worth the effort altogether, in which case the owner unions will be then encouraged to start making plans to demolish, uh, rebuild the structure, sell it to a developer who might do the same. And for that purpose, as well as for the purpose of extensive renovations, the reserve fund pools will then need to be bolstered. And that's usually done by building fee hikes, or the union might have to take out a loan to pull off whatever plans will be recommended for the structure and so forth. Now, the bottom line here for us as investors is twofold. One, if the building is already well-managed and maintained, things might not change that much. But if it isn't, or if it isn't well-managed and well-maintained as per these new legislation criteria, which we're not really clear on just yet, in those cases, the owners of units in these buildings might probably would find that their monthly building fees are suddenly being increased far more sharply than they'd expect them to be. Or in case of buildings which will not be improving their management practices and will not be eligible for the um, good management certificate, owners might suddenly find that their property's resale value has dropped off a cliff. And even with buildings that are not quite 40 years old yet, but are just about to pass that threshold in a few years' time, the anticipation of these expenses uh, of price drops will probably be enough to reduce the value of the property even earlier. In any case, because any potential buyer would, if they're even slightly savvy, would be expecting all of these things to occur shortly after the purchase. Now, couple that with the fact that as buildings near that age, developers tend to start swooping in to try and buy them off owners anyway, um, and often at less than ideal prices. We've talked about this here in the past, and we'll link to that episode again in the show notes. So those two factors combined seem to be painting a picture according to which it's really becoming less and less attractive to own these uh, buildings or units in these buildings if they're approaching that age. 
Uh, considering that if you're purchasing anything that's older than 30 years old, you're really only going to be enjoying something like five or six years of high yield. And then all of these factors will start coming into play and you might then watch your resale potential really shrink significantly, either because yield has been reduced due to building fee hikes, which makes the properties less attractive to investors at that price. Or on the other hand, because the value of the property has plummeted due to a lack of good management and no compliance. So both the risk and the hassle factors are starting to become a bit too high for comfort. And as a result of that, we personally here at NTI are no longer recommending anything older than 30 years um, at the time of purchase. And we're also advising our clients who are already holding assets that are now older than 35 to seriously consider selling them off at whatever price the market will command now, rather than wait for prices to drop further as the 40-year mark approaches. So unless they're looking at very unique circumstances like buildings that are in really, really superb locations or buildings that are very clearly super well managed to begin with uh, or a combination of both. In all other cases, we would advise people to sell unless they've already had the property for an extended period of time. They've reacquired the original capital or better, and they're really just interested in milking every bit of yield left in it and maybe don't really have any more attractive channels to reinvest that reimbursed capital into. But in any case, they and you, if you're active in the sector, should at least be aware of what's coming because it's definitely going to affect you if you're owning properties at this age. Now, some local municipalities uh, in Tokyo, in Kobe, and some other places, they already have some regulations to this effect. And in those places, this may not come as a huge shock or surprise or change. But because this new legislation is going to be pursued by the national government from here on, and it's likely to be far more widespread, it's probably best to assume that this will happen in your neck of the woods as well and prepare yourself accordingly or at least look into the matter. Now, if you'd like to have a chat with us, you want us to help you evaluate the potential impact on your particular property or your portfolio, don't be shy. We're always happy to talk shop, as you probably well know by now. So drop us a line at info at nippontradings.com. That's N-I-P-P-O-N tradings with an S, all one word, info at nippontradings.com. Or just leave us a comment or message on whichever channel you might have found us, and we'll look into your particular case, try to give you the best advice that we can. So that's it from us for today, folks. We hope to have you with us again next time. Do take a moment of your time to share this podcast with your own networks if you think they might find the content valuable. And do give us your rating or review on the iTunes store, Spotify. Your word of mouth is what we value the most. And we would love to hear what you think about this episode or about the podcast in general. Have a great day or night, week or weekend. And until next time, Yoroshiku.